0: Welcome back to my show, Into the Light, with me your host Stefan Neff. I've got the pleasure of interviewing another guest today and I've got Angela Talent with me. Angela is a damaged mum and I want to call her a CRPS warrior but she says no I'm not really a warrior. I'm, I'm, And we were sort of before the show sort of thinking well what are you? And it's so hard because It's so nice to put us all into labels and into little drawers to fit nicely in, and that's not us, is it? We are so many people, and some of the people in us we are not so proud of, some of them we are very proud of, some of them are working really well, and some of them are so damaged and and broken, but that's all us. We are red, we are that, that chaos. And I've got, uh, whilst I admit fully that I'm this chaos, I've got an equally exciting chaos sitting opposite me here on the other side of the world. So welcome to my show, Angela.
1: Thank you so much, (laughs) Stefan. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) This is is fabulous.
0: Absolutely. And, and I know normally you're on the other side of the story and you have got your own podcast and you're talking about uh, being a damaged person. And, and I think we should lead with that. I mean, damaged, I am damaged. Hell yes. Mental health, addiction. I can talk for hours. You are damaged as well, but in a little bit of a different take. And that was so, so such a good reason for me to bring you on today.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, what a lot of people may not know or maybe are learning about me is that I have complex regional pain syndrome, and that is a pain disorder that impacts, for me, my uh, my arms and my legs, and I, I jokingly say with, with with my arms, so my hands are stuck like this and I can't close this hand, uh, so I'm very limited in my ability to use, so I jokingly say that you know, imagine T Rex. My ar- arms are about as useless as useful as T Rex arms. <laughs> They're there, but they don't work very well.
0: <laughs> but as a good pain patient, you do the growling probably t- pretty well because there are days when when you are not so happy.
1: <laughs> so true, man. It is so hard as I. So I've had this pain since my kids were very young. I want to say 10 and 8. It's been about 10 years. And no, 8 and 6. Wow, I was going backwards. Oh. <laughs> They'll love me. I made them older at <laughs> the age they want to be older.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> um. So I really had to figure out emotionally, am I angry because I'm in pain or am I angry because... They did something that I don't like. Oh. How do I interpret this? What? How do I respond to them? Mm-hmm. It was so hard. Now, I have been in you know to the point with my pain where I've been in a wheelchair. If we go out long distances, I still need a wheelchair. Uh, lucky enough, we figured out how to use a fishing chair, like one of those trifold fishing chairs. So if I want to go for a walk uh, that's not too far then my caregiver can carry the fishing chair and I can walk and sit and walk and sit. So I jokingly, you know, I know I'm a slow walker. I know my hands don't work. So I came up with damaged parents and then relatively damaged the podcast for that very reason, because I realized when I was coming up with damaged parents and I was really thinking about it and what it meant to me to be a parent was it had nothing ever to do with my disability. My insecurities existed before my disability. My insecurities existed after my disability. And I, which is why when you were saying you wanted to to call me a CRPS warrior, and I thought, you know, no, that's not really how I identify. And it's, because what i realized is i identified as who i am on the inside my soul my spirit and that is this very loving amazing woman that wants the world to see that it doesn't matter if you have a physical disability it doesn't matter the color of your skin it doesn't matter if you've been an alcoholic it doesn't matter if you have an intellectual disability all of those things don't matter we're all deserving of the full human experience and that's so important to me to spread that word because it's painful, emotionally pain. I, I would say probably having had this immense physical pain for so long, emotional pain is still much hard, harder for me um, because that's what hits me to my core. Yes, this pain that I struggle with Every day is extremely painful. But when I'm emotionally hurt, uh, it's devastating. And while physical pain is also devastating, it's not the same. I'm not sure if you can relate. <laughs> um,
0: please, please, 100%.
1: 100%. I mean, yeah, I don't know how to explain. Uh, you know, so for people who don't know what CRPS is, the so I get burning, tingling, stabbing. Uh, bone scraping, metal feelings, um, swelling. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, it, it, you know, like any description, I've had that. And it's not always consistent. There's this uh, roller coaster, if you will. So there's these ups and downs. And with mm. with me, the pain will never go away. So maybe we can bring my pain levels from here to here if I'm lucky, mm. right? And then they go back up to here and we have to figure out what to do. And then hopefully they come back down to here again. And- And
0: If you look at it, I mean, CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, is a thing that has been around as long as humans live. But it's only in the 1850s and in the American Civil War that it actually first got recognized. And nowadays, we know that basically an injury happens to nerves, and it often is a very tiny uh, injury that can be as as a little bit of a sprain, or sometimes it can be traumatic injuries, but it doesn't have to be. And then suddenly the the nervous system goes into complete crazy overdrive. So your pain pathways become super highways of pain. What happens if you were to imagine an electric guitar uh, just connected to an amplifier, and someone cranks open the amplifier? the slightest touch on the strings will give you noise coming out like mad. And that's exactly the pain. So the simplest yeah. touch for someone like you, someone as, as little as a, as a blouse on a shoulder that is affected, uh, is like, like pouring boiling water over the shoulder. You, many women who have got that on their arms can't wear a bra, because the weight of the bra is just excruciating. If yeah. you if you bang yourself, oh, my God, the, the pain is eye, eyes watering and often doesn't go away. When you bang yourself like that. Well, I feel a tingling, tingling. Now it's gone. Um, if you were to do that, you feel you, I probably hear you screaming um, for uh. about half an hour, and then it will be there for two, three days, and then it probably will settle down. So that's how crazy the nervous system is. And that's just the sensations. You get these yeah. funny, weird sensations, pins and needles, like ants crawling underneath the skin. So paresthesias, dysesthesias, You get color changes. So the whole hand might be warm, or cold, it might be blue, it might be red blotchy, weird marbled. So it comes in all shapes and colors, because the the nervous system that affects the blood vessels is equally affected. It changes, it changes the way that your body functions. So fluid does not necessarily get brought back to the center of the system. So you might have kind of an elephant hand there equally muscles don't work they either work too much cramps so you can barely open it up or they work too little you constantly drop things i had patients who basically completely bought plastic cutlery plastic cups plastic everything because they dropped everything I, I did, it. I
1: did. I had IKEA Rainbow <laughs> <There you go. laughs> for a long time. The IKEA Rainbows, you know, is very frustrating dropping things. And you know, as you were talking about the guitar, I want to go back to that because <laughs> noise can be painful too. Mm. Uh it will trigger me. And it I don't quite understand. I don't understand a lot of my disability. I or, I tried to educate myself and you know, there's only so much I can read. It's fascinating. I remember when this first happened, watching my hand blow up like a club hand and watching it go back down. And I'd be like, whoa, that's really cool. I can't believe my body's doing this. You know, 10 years later, it doesn't <laughs> blow up as big. But, you know, I, I really was fascinated that the human body could do this. And at the time I had been studying psychology. So I was like, wow, our brains are just so fascinating," and and then it was interesting and I, and I do want to talk about this a little bit because my injury I was typing there was a sharp pain in my palm uh you know and and that was it in in my left hand and then I worked for a couple of months single-handed with my right hand, and I think it only took a week or two before I started having issues with that, and then it was overused, and then they're like, oh, by the way, it's definitely CRPS in your other hand, and then I was actually at a functional restoration program when my legs, like, I knew I was having trouble with my legs, but I wanted to deny that it was CRPS. I was like, no, this is not going to be that. I, I don't want this to be that. And I flared up so bad that's when I ended up uh, having to use a wheelchair because I could, I, walking was like, I don't want to say like I'm hot coals. I want to say just, it was so painful. Mm. And uh, that's when they, when they diagnosed, diagnosed it there. So, you know, and the other thing I remember people and it's because i wanted to heal. I've wanted to get better, you know, and, and I also had to reconcile with the fact that this wasn't, something that was going to go away so how do I live in this body that is going to feel things differently you know even right now this hand is very cold so you might see me put it up on my neck you know and try to warm it up and this other hand I'm gonna try and probably put it under my other arm it's a very difficult um d- syndrome to deal with I don't I don't uh and I've had to reconcile I love to laugh I love to smile. I love to, 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 to do those things. And pe- people don't always understand that I can be a miserable pain and laugh and joke with you because I've had, this is my pain. And in my world, it's not your job to manage my pain. And I also want to enjoy life. So that's really important to me to still live even though my my life is different my my experience of of the world is different i hope that makes sense
0: to me a hell of a lot to many others out there they probably think what the hell because it's (laughs) such a if you've never had pain like that it's very hard to imagine people have banged their toe and they know oh that hurts but that Pain is short-lived. That pain is there. Okay, you've broken a bone. You've broken lots of bones. Okay, what? Three months healing? Then pretty yeah, much the pain then, is but, done.
1: Right, and even then, though, as soon as the bone is set, the pain is not as intense. And exactly. as the swelling starts going down. Hmm. So with CRPS, the pain doesn't, you don't get the break. That's right. Like I said, you get little... Uh, hills and valleys if you you Mm -hmm. try to get to hills and valleys from mountains and crevices Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't ever totally go away Mm -hmm. there's there's always something Mm
0: -hmm. and it gets worse at night because then the distractions are gone then you want to sleep and often enough you can't because it's such a bastard of a of a disruption it often gets it gets worse on those days when you have got time off, let's um, a nice time off, let's say Thanksgiving, let's say Christmas, uh, people come around. Well, that's stress. And guess what stress does to your pain? Yeah,
1: it makes it worse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I've got a family member who's super uncomfortable with my disability. So when they're around, I actually try not to... I, I probably, <laughs> I do, I try to do more actually is what oh, it comes dear. down to, right? Because mm. I want, and and I know that's not healthy <laughs> in a sense, right? I also, I mean, I remember being in the pain clinic and they did say, you know, t- maybe don't make it as obvious that your pain is bad in those moments. Mm. And I don't think I'm doing the pain group, any of us, um, in the pain community, any service when, when I'm, when I'm trying to sell a lie Mm. about my pain. And that's another huge conversation because it's, you know, somebody asked me a question about going to the movies and things during the pandemic. And, and wasn't it great that we could do online and we could, yes, absolutely. And if if we aren't all in the public with our disabilities, if you have a physical disability and, and showing that that you we can be different and participate, then that's a really slippery slope because then people aren't used to seeing with people with disabilities, and then all of a sudden they're different, and then they don't know how to behave. It's very uh, uh, weird. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: uh, I like that. You when you when you just said that, you saw me laughing, and. I probably need to explain that Um, that, uh, many of of the viewers and and listeners will not know that I ran a large pain clinic in the past. And CRPS was something that was very, very close to my heart. And a lot of patients sought me out. And therefore, I had a large community of CRPS patients. And what you're saying is so common. It is so it's virtually, it's it's it I get one flashback after the other to my time as a pain physician because every single thing you say is repeated again and again every day in the pain clinic. Complex regional pain syndrome is such a bizarre, bizarre thing. And it changes our lives so completely. It is it turns lives upside down. But I loved it how you said that you're really a uh, deep inside a, a cheerful uh, a, a positive person and that you love to laugh and I'm sure you were you love to be a good mum but I know that when I had temporary pain problems I wasn't a good dad not just for my emotions of course I was an angry bugger um, but also just the simple things how how did that affect you as a mum uh, with your pain? What was going on there?
1: I think what you're asking is while having the pain and also being a parent, what mm. was the impact of the pain on parenting? Am I? Indeed, kind Indeed of? right. Okay. Indeed, right. Super hard, right? Um, I realized that I could not drive my mm. children because I couldn't turn the wheel anymore. And mm. that was so frustrating, you know little things like that would happen or before even that dropping things. Cause I only had the right hand, which at the point we thought was overuse, you know, and there was still not a full diagnosis and dropping things, breaking things, um, not being able to fold the laundry, not being able to properly help them with things. And, and you know, they were, they were young, six and eight is, is really young. And You know, wanting to be able to take them to their soccer practices and their dance recitals and finding it difficult to sit through and enjoy. When I really wanted to enjoy and the pain took over, Mm. I'm definitely more comfortable at home because if the pain gets to be too much, excuse me, if the pain gets to be too much, I can take a break. I can move around. If I'm stuck watching a recital, then I can't do that. Now, the biggest frustration for me, though, I would say was around trying to help the children do homework because I couldn't write. And without the ability to write, how do you teach math? How do you teach where to put punctuation? I mean, I had to get so good at articulating What to do, and even then, there's still a communication barrier because of how I learned and how they're learning in school.
0: Mm -hmm. So true.
1: So confusing. But I would say the biggest. Luckily, I had great, pretty good caregivers throughout. And you've got everybody's got to be careful when choosing caregivers. This is something that I'm very passionate about. Beware who you bring into your home, and don't be afraid to say no. this this is not going to work because I've had caregivers who are disrespectful I had caregivers come in and try to parent my children or decide that I didn't parent properly or you know you've just I mean there's so much of a dynamic and and you really have to work to find someone that's going to work with you as a parent when you have to have caregivers and you have children Mm. and because it's a It's a tricky dynamic. And the children from the time I had to have caregivers were clearly instructed. They aren't to ask the caregiver for them to help them with something. They have to come to me. And if it's something I can't do, Mm. then it's my job to ask the caregiver. So Mm. the dynamic has to be extremely clear in Mm. the home because I could have very easily given away Mm. my parenting without. And I didn't want to do that at all so that's just it but so that's just a little bit on that however what happened uh last october uh 20 or in october 2020 was that a caregiving company that i'd been with for a short period of time came in and said by the way you can't take your kids to school you can't take them to the doctor's office you can't you know so basically you can't put your kids in the car we're not gonna Cook casserole, you know, we're not going to, to help you in any of your parenting tasks. And I'm like, I've never had that problem before in my life. I was like, I never felt so shamed. I I felt shamed. Like all of a sudden, all of me was wrong. And that for the simple reason I have a disability, now I can't be a parent too. That made no sense. I mean, in the United States, I've got you know, you can, even on the CMS guidelines, Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services guidelines, basically for transportation, if, if you are disabled enough or severely disabled, which is what I am because my hands don't work, um, they can take you to the doctor's office. You can go grocery shopping and you can go to religious services for short periods of time. So essentially you're made a hostage to your home Or you could look at it as you're on house arrest for the simple reason that you're disabled. And it's like, hold on a second here. Last I checked, I've been following all the rules and I certainly didn't ask for this disability, nor do I want it. Mm. And Now I'm being told basically that because then I would have somebody in the home. So I have a caregiver who's being told now that they can't do these things to help, help me do my tasks that I need to do for the children and they really are my tasks and they're to refuse me. And I, but I fell over. I, I mean, not literally Mm. figuratively, Mm. because I just need a little bit. I just need help doing the task. It's not like I was turning the care of my children over to the caregiver and saying, let me, you know, take the kids to school Mm and turning and then not going. Hmm. I'm in the car, I'm with these kids. I It is my task, hmm. Don't I'm not giving it. So then they wanted me to pay them. Yeah. So with a minimum of, a, of an hour, so you're looking at like $70 per child per hour. So to take them to school, which is what 15 or so minutes away, they would charge me. So I'm looking at $140 just to get them to school. So $280, (laughs) mind you, I'm a disabled parent. So I also don't have the money because I'm on, you know, disability income to, to do that. And I just, I was astonished. The doctor's office was flummoxed. They had no idea that this is how, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to and they're like, what Mm. are you? And yes, it's because they interpret those guidelines as minimums and or as maximums and Mm. not minimums. Mm. And I think that's really unfortunate because there are a lot of parents that need just need help in the task. They want to be a parent. They just need a little bit of help. Mm. And 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 furthermore. So you've got this caregiver in your home. Guess what that is? They're they're a, um, oh, goodness gracious. They're required to report things, right? So now I've got a caregiver in my home who's supposed to refuse me, which means I'm neglectful, which they then would have to report. Makes no sense. Brilliant. Yeah. Puts me in a, so I became angry. I became so angry. And that's where I came up with damaged parents.
0: <laughs> oh, dear, oh dear oh dear oh dear oh dear
1: and i bet you've seen this you saw some of this in your practice i'm thinking maybe oh no, yes
0: a oh a little bit that's the reason i burned out that's the reason i got so frustrated in my field because what you're describing to me is again there again and again and again it's variations of a theme but ultimately, those frustrations and those, those letdowns of common sense are so clearly there. And it is all money. It is, in all fairness, here in New Zealand, we are a small country. Uh, so we've only got four and a half, five million people. And there's only so much coming in. So yes, I know how a good pain service should run, but the sheer fact that there are not enough psychologists around, or that there is no money to pay them, means that my patients missed out. And it's the same with occupational therapy. It's the same with psychiatry you name it there was a shortage or an inability to access those services in that particular area of the country so it it was a frustration that was so extreme and so overwhelming for patients as well as for the doctors nurses healthcare professionals that were working in the field it was very rare that that patients could access the care that they really needed and deserved, uh, and just as
1: ca- as humans. That's right. It, it, it the common human out al- mm. human experience. I mm. think is so important, mm. and that I think that's that's why my you know what I feel I was called to do is to show that we're all here mm. for the human experience, mm. and you. And I can't remember if we talked about this odd air or not, but the you might need help. You know, you you are recovering from alcoholism, so you need help in that area. I need some help taking the kids to school or completing my parenting mm-hmm. tasks. Somebody else needs help intellectually or on another level. And there's all these different
0: mm-hmm. levels. So That's what right.
1: happens if we just help each other? <laughs>
0: No, and that's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, Maybe we need to talk about that. uh, Because that's that's really uh, what I see myself as as a merchant of hope and this show and your show is there to show people that there is not just doom and gloom, but that we actually can live uh, our lives in a meaningful way, and give back and serve others and work with others. And therefore, make Our little world a little bit better one smile at a time one encouragement at a time these kind of things so if you if I was to put you into the role of a health minister uh in your let's not go America let's not even go your state (laughs) let's let's just go your borough your county let's do it this way what what would you do
1: what would I want to see changed?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think first and foremost would be making a change for parents, uh, parents with disabilities. And that's fully recognizing that we have students in school on IEPs with learning disabilities, physical disabilities, all these kinds of disabilities that that age out on a regular basis. And then they go into the community and they're, you know, these kids with autism, kids with mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, any type of disability, right? Uh, hopefully, and or maybe we'll go on to have pa- children of their own. And then they just need a little bit of help, right? So ultimately, it's helping, not helping. I, I don't want to use helping because I think in that some people think people need fixed, right? And I'm not saying they need fixed, but giving some guidance. What does parenting with a caregiver look like? What does having a disability look like? Maybe educating the kids Mm. in the local schools, Mm. more importantly, giving support to to all parents, because I think all parents have insecurities when it comes to parenting. I think it's the hardest job on the planet, and it most definitely teaches, has taught me who I am, Mm. because there are so many times there are choices that are there's two bad choices in my book and I have to pick which one. And, mm-hmm. and then even when I think I'm making the good choice, it's not the right choice for the child mm-hmm. or they see it totally differently. And so, yeah, I think for the most part, for me, it would be making the, the, the change to support parents with disabilities with their normal kids because if you have a disabled kid there are services for that <laughs> if you're a disabled adult there are services for that but there's nothing for for that will help those normal kids with disabled parents you know so I guess it's in how you want to look at it mm-hmm. you know and I think some people will say spinning it to to the children is is better and some people will say you know for me I think spinning it mm-hmm to the parents is important. But I think for discussion's sake, by saying we're helping these kids by supporting the parents is, Mm. is something that they're willing to swallow and get behind. Whereas helping the disabled parent, because I think there's still also this idea of, Oh, you have a disability. You shouldn't have had kids. How did I know I was going to have a disability? I had my kids well before that.
0: And well, then uh, stop, 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 stop. I mean, yeah. right now, there's no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, come on. I, I come from a country which tried that in the 30s and 40s of the last century, and we know it didn't end well. How stupid can you be? Is that really an, a statement that anyone wants to make out there? No, it is, sorry, um, you are not worth to have kids. You're, now, why not go the next step? Why not kill the kids? Or why not kill you because you are disabled and can't really contribute? Where do you stop? I mean, for crying out loud. Those
1: are valid. Okay. Though that crosses my mind, though. where's because I used to be very involved in my community. I Mm -hmm. I still am involved on some level. I was just appointed to the local disability advisory commission, council or commission. I can never remember which one Um, or what it's called, the title. But um i used to provide for my family now i don't provide so when you look at from look at it from a financial you know the cost of life mm-hmm. my life is not considered valuable right i'm like- not giving anything back to society
0: well, oh, no, you do. You do. I, let me let me let me turn it completely yeah, on the top. Yeah, because yes. because what you are doing, you are raising awareness. You are teaching your children the value of human life in such a powerful way that they will grow up with a very different understanding and appreciation of their abilities, of the need to look after themselves, uh, the need to, hopefully, the the need to have empathy for others. So what you're doing is you are in your own little world, creating your next generation, that is so much more open and so much more willing to be good, in, in all likelihood, that on the contrary, you I would say, what you and I are creating are far better children than others if you look at society how we how we contribute
1: right no and there is there's a huge contribution there right mm-hmm. that that especially with the children and bringing up the next generation because I can tell you that my children have a myriad of type of different friends they they don't mind people with disabilities they don't they what I'm saying is they don't shy away they're not confused they t- yeah. treat them like yeah. other people like they're just another person yeah. And, and what I'm talking about is the numbers, right? The numbers behind everything. So if, so it would, if I work, like, let's say I was a CEO of a large company, right? That's, that's impacting all these people and there's money there then, and they're self-insured, then they're going, they're going to have their medical uh, challenges covered, Right. Whereas if you look at me, like, let's say I get an illness and it's going to cost too much to to help me get better from that illness so that I can just live. Well, then there's that cost of life that insurance companies have to think about, right? And then who are you going to give that money to? Well, they're not going to give it to me. I already have a disability and I'm not bringing in any financial money right? Like I may be out here making a difference in the world. But don't, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I, I clearly understand that from a society's perspective, I'm not considered valuable.
0: And I have got great difficulties with that. um, Because uh, we could talk three hours on that particular subject. Um, I've got great difficulties to say that someone has no value coming from a point where I I myself was helpless and hopeless and uh, thinking that I'm worth nothing I was full of shame and guilt And now, seven years later, I'm here and saying, no, fuck it. We will actually turn this world around one interview at a time, one little gesture at a time. Me going to work and and bringing a smile on the face from the cleaner to the CEO um, and treating people with respect, with dignity helping the patients through through their, their journey um, that where I touch them and put a smile on their face, uh, take away their stress, the, the anxiety, and then let them ride into the sunset with a smile on their face and a cast on their arm. That's what yeah. I want to do. And that's what we can do. And yeah, so yes, how, I,
1: how How? How do we, besides what we're doing, how do we show that every single life is valuable and the purpose behind it. So that, because see, in my mind, the everyone at a company would be making the same because it's not just the CEO, the CEO would not get that award if everyone under that CEO, if you will, or everybody participating Mm -hmm. in that company weren't doing their job. Mm -hmm. So how do we show without changing? I mean, I think some of that would have to probably change in order for people to really get that we're all valuable, right?
0: You are doing it. You are doing it by speaking up. You are going out there having a podcast and you're addressing these kind of things. You are the beacon of light. You are the person who empowers others. And that is how you make sense of your suffering, how you make sense of those things that happened to you in your life that you never asked for, but that you are now that you have to deal with, and yeah. in the future will deal with. So you try to make sense and you you show others that your disability is not a life sentence. And that right. is it. it it is a life sentence, but it is also, it is so much more. It does not right. define, your trauma does not define you. Your scars do not define you. Neither does your skin, nor your religion, nor your whatever. It doesn't define you. And that is that is your message. That is where you come out and speak so powerfully um, to disabled parents in this particular case. So therefore, you are you are doing exactly what you're setting out to do.
1: Well, yeah, and and I'm trying and I hope to see the changes that Mm -hmm. I I think it's a long journey. I still think that, you know, if you put me on a ledger, I'm not the the (laughs) one they're going (laughs) to (laughs) save. You know, and and I think in in that way, it's kind of like, well, screw it, if you will, like you're saying, screw it, I'm going to go out and say, this could be better we could do better at this i think mm. that's where where you are right mm. and by uh, pun intended bringing it into the light like we're mm. doing is important
0: mm. absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's
1: important and i'm i'm hopeful now that people will get that this uh empathy and understanding because I think like even with your podcast by investigating and understanding other people that that when we share these stories, and that when we go out and we say, Hey, guess what, you've been Oh, you've been there. You felt like that before you felt like you were hopeless. Ooh, you didn't expect to be disabled. No, it happened in less than two seconds. I didn't expect it. I didn't want it. That's mm. not what I thought my life was going to look like. Mm. And now we can, you know, and it could, it could happen to you in two seconds, Definitely. unexpected. And the next thing you know, you're gonna, you know, well, I don't know. A lot of people look for fixes, and I'm. I, what are your thoughts on this, actually? I've been thinking about this a lot lately about fixes and, and how, especially in the medical field, Oh, we can fix that. Oh, we can fix that. Oh, we can fix that. (laughs) Instead of having the very (laughs) honest conversation (laughs) of, well, maybe that's, you know, we're going to try and I want to prepare you that it may not happen. Mm. What are your, I mean, I don't know. What did you tell your patients? I, I, if Mm. I push too far, just let me know. (laughs) I've I've got this question.
0: Okay. The the typical message is exactly what you said. We, there are very few pain syndromes, chronic pain syndromes that can be fixed. I will always look at the underlying reason why there is pain. And sometimes we can figure something out. For example, let's say you have broken your your ankle, and that has caused the, the CRPS. And you have got now that one screw that is there on the metal layer, and that's rubbing at the wrong part, this CRPS will never settle down. So therefore, you might actually be able to fix that by taking the wear out. And you now have the screw no longer irritating the tissues. And certainly the CRPS with all the other right management can calm down and can get much better. Now, that's pretty okay. much working on the on the underlying cause of an issue. I was far more holistic than maybe many of my colleagues. When you say fix, you probably refer to a scalpel, or you refer to that magic tablet. Now, in my experience, there are very few magic things in this world. I want more of them, please. I'm Hogwarts <laughs> all the way, but nope. Unfortunately, I've never found uh, nine and three quarters the, the, the takeoff off uh, ramp there. So bottom line is, I will always look for reasons why something is happening and if it can make you better. Example for me, my, my personal example I had for a year and a half, I had the most atrocious achillotendinitis. I could barely walk if I was hobbling 1000 2000 steps a day that was excruciating pain. And that was it. And I underwent some experimental treatments. And whilst they gave me function back, they were some of the most painful things I've ever done in my life. Fast forward 18 months and uh, unrelated to that achillotendinitis, I got in touch with a nutritionist and said, Hey, look, I've sent you so many of my patients. Um, Come on, take me apart, take me apart, top down, back forth, do all the blood tests you want to run. I don't care. I pay. But just uh, I'm constantly tired. I'm constantly this, constantly that. I don't want to turn old. And okay, so he got on with it and surprise surprise i had quite a few food food allergies gluten dairy etc and he said okay this is what we do treatment plan uh all uh, nutritional basically cutting out the bad shit and and giving um replacements the right the right good stuff lo and behold four six weeks later my achillotendinitis, gone niggling shoulder pain from an injury gone uh hay fever, gone. Um, many things that I took for granted were gone, just with me looking not at magic fixes, but at the underlying cause. I've seen so many patients where chronic pain was not due to a uh, a knife that had been stuck in them or that something happened. No, it was psychological. I, I, I saw a woman who was I uh, had 20 years worth of tummy pain, and she was in her uh, 50s, thereabouts. And I took great care in my, my history taking, and it turns out that her previous husband, 20 years ago, would have hit her in the stomach, kneed her in the stomach, because it wouldn't leave any any um, any marks. And so there was this, all this abuse there in the background. The moment I asked her, has there been abuse? she came out with it. And 20 operations later, she finally saw herself that link. And needless to say, within six months, 12 months, her pain was virtually gone without a tablet inside. So are there fixes? Yes, if you look for the right reasons for someone to be in pain. But these success stories are few and far between the reality in chronic pain, it, it is there and it doesn't go away magically. Sometimes it burns out over a period of some years. Sometimes it's there like a storm in a water cup for six weeks, 12 weeks, and then you're lucky the CRPS burns out. Uh, That is actually quite common. Um, But ultimately, there are so many patients out there where the pain will not go away. We might be able to improve it with surgery, physiotherapy, uh, medications, uh, all those kind of things, putting all the right support structures in. But with that, what we want to do is make the pain bearable, but increase your function. So if you came to me with seven out of 10 pain, and you leave my clinic with seven out of 10 pain, I was quite happy. And I should be quite careful what I say here because seven out of 10 pain is only a marker. You were seven out of 10 when you came to me lying on the bed, unable to move. And now you're bringing the children to the playground and kick a bit of wall around. And you're still seven out of 10 in pain. Now that's a very different life. So therefore, the the pain is one thing. But you dealing with it, you coping with it, you being able to get on with your life in, in a meaningful way for you, that is success. And that is what my focus was on and what I think the focus should be on. There is some, you cannot turn the the time back. You cannot stop that car crashing into the other car and destroying your legs. There is no way you can stop that. It's there, but you have a choice how you deal with the flow-on effects. You have a choice if you let it batter you down or if you say, wow, it really has messed up my mood I know I'm a grumpy, depressed bitch, because of that. But I do not accept it. I don't want to be like that. So what I I do to actually look after myself? Which power team do I need to put together to actually move forward? I cannot turn the time back. So what do I need? I need occupational therapy to use my wheelchair? Or are there other tricks that I don't need to use a wheelchair? Maybe there is a, a, a trike where I can just rest my knee on and my painful ankle is just floating there in the back and a trike around the house. And that's cool. Um, or is there um, acupuncture? Is there tense machines? Is there, um, are there medications that can help me? Are there injections that stop my spasm and actually just release it a bit The a Botox injection? Is my headache that comes from that all CRPS and it's linked together? Can I deal with that headache so that I still got the CRPS? But at least my headache is much improved. Those kind of things. That is, these are yeah. the questions that I encourage my patients to, to figure out. This is not just poor me, poor me, poor me, another one. Um, this is actually, no, it is, just, hey, you know, what can you do? What are the issues? Make a list what really pisses you off and then try to work through. Okay.
1: Yeah. I think what I'm thinking of is I've got a friend who, you know, has had multiple surgeries and multiple pain and is certain that the next surgery is going to fix her to be how she used to be before this all happened. And, my, I mean, obviously, I will never have surgery if I if I can avoid it at all. I, CRPS, you have to avoid it at all costs, anywhere on the body, <laughs> at least for me. Yeah. But for her, I, and I think that that's where some of my concern comes from when I hear people talk about getting fixed. I'm going to go in for this surgery. I'm going to be fixed. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to no. be fixed. No. No. And, no. yeah, it just doesn't – yeah, it's like we learning to accept this is where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I may or may not get better. It would be mm-hmm. great if I did, because I've tried everything that you could possibly try mm-hmm. to heal from CRPS or, mm-hmm. you know, haven't. Mm-hmm. it would have been great if I would have been one of the people who, who burnt out, right? That's not my road. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I wish it was. I would, because if it had been, maybe I would see more... Um, Well, I would be more capable, right? (laughs) If I had been. Also, though, without the ability to use my hands the way that most people do, I have caregivers. So guess what I've learned? I've learned connection. I connect with people on a whole nother level than I used to. Like I had connection before, now it's different. I mean, it's just really interesting if we can flip it. What are some of the great things that I've learned? Ooh, you know, like I was talking to a narcolept on my show, the, the, she, we decided it was her superpower because, you know, I feel myself getting highly emotionally, you know, high emotions and I have to make myself, you know, I have to pull myself away on purpose. If she doesn't, she falls asleep and she could be in the grocery store with stressful kids you know like (laughs) 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 like so she had to learn those (laughs) tools early on because she had that well darn it if that's not a superpower (laughs) right so how do I turn my struggle into a superpower
0: I love it absolutely love it
1: it's a superpower. I'm not I I, I don't know how I could explain my superpower now is connection and and, mm. and being able to listen and talk with people, I think. That's where it's at right now. And just sharing how I see the world because I really think it's super beautiful.
0: Wow. And wow, what a better way to end this interview because you have just nailed it. This world needs our help. And I think that's, that's why we sit here and talk to each other and make and share our, our passion, and our vision, and our missions to make this a better place. And it is, it is wonderful. So if I think it is, it's so humbling for me to hear you talk. And it was so beautiful to hear your, your beautiful inner, inner self shining. It was it was just No, you're an amazing woman. And I'm so grateful that you're here in this world and give parents who otherwise struggle, maybe some meaning, maybe some hope, maybe some, some positivity to live their life authentically, to live their life as it is, not the kind of Ah, oh, it would be so nice if or it should have we could have we would have. No, it is what it is. But you've got a choice to live that life to the fullest, whatever that may be. And do whatever you can do to make your your life meaningful. You can leave a legacy and a very powerful one. If you choose to do so. It takes a dream, which you then put a plan around it, and then becomes a mission. And then you take action, little steps into the right, right direction. And then there you are, you have achieved something that many others will never achieve in their life, because they they have not had that awakening. They have not had that change in their mind. They have not had the challenge to become that different person. They're just living their rat race. And then at some stage, they're going to have the the probably not golden watch. um, And they probably have their heart attack. And that's it. Thank you. Tick. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a shame. He was a nice guy. So now, what are we having for lunch? Um, Whilst with you, that's probably rather different. Um, People will will remember you in many, many, many decades to come as a force that was helping other parents to make sense in a dark world. And for that, I congratulate you. It's, it's it's wonderful. Thank you for what you're doing.
1: Oh, thank you. What a great compliment. And I'm so <laughs> grateful that I got to be on Into the Light. It's just <laughs> a fantastic hmm. visual on, on how you see the world and hmm. how we are going down the same path, I think. And I'm so grateful that you're on that path with me.
0: <laughs> and you guys out there, don't give up. There is hope. Go out there and make this make this life count. Make a good choice right now. One little decision. Do you want to have a glass of water? Rehydrate. Or do you want to enjoy that sunset? You're just looking out there and there's this beautiful color. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Look after yourself all out there. Bye. <laughs>